Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Monash Radio's No Theory. For those who go to uh, Monash Uni, I hope you've enjoyed your mid-sem break and are ready for this year's final slog of study. Mm-hmm, definitely. I know um, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Thanks, Simone, for bringing us in there. Uh, so today we're actually going to be running things a little bit differently. We've had some fantastic guests over previous weeks from Yes Theory fans to activists and journalists, and I think they've definitely helped with nurturing perspective and building on our own beliefs um, with through conversation with others, I guess. Today, however, we're going to have a little bit of a look more inwardly and interview each other. So, Simone, let's start off. Um, I do believe you've got some questions ready for me, if you'd like yes, to take I, it away. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> so, let's get started. So, although, as some of you have already seen on our Instagram page, Lydia, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? I can certainly try, even though I think talking about ourselves is one of the hardest things to do in life. But um, I'm a fourth year student at Monash. I'm currently studying um, literature, journalism and music. Um, I'm originally from Queensland. I moved down here four years ago to start studying. Uh, I, I originally was in a, a law degree, but I decided that wasn't for me. It just wasn't really, um, I don't know, the most compatible way for me to contribute to the world I guess so that's when I decided to make a change say no to a law degree wow that sounds <laughs> yeah. kind of bad but um <laughs> yeah and I definitely I think after I changed I've just been enjoying it so much more I've rekindled my my passion for studying and um I'm a lot happier so yeah I I guess that's me I'm also doing a bit of tutoring at the moment a little bit of writing some freelance stuff um not so much performing at the moment with the pandemic which is a bit sad but yeah I guess that kind of sums me up <laughs> so why did you say oh well you've kind of already mentioned this but why did you say yes to um no theory so when you originally brought the idea to me I thought it was fantastic and I think I even said to you that saying no is something I really struggle with. Like, this is a podcast I need to listen to, if anything. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, I think it comes from this idea of really needing to be productive with my life. The more productive I am, it sort of subdues my anxiety. It makes me feel like I'm doing something. And so I guess it sometimes leads to me getting involved in too many things at once and feeling overwhelmed, almost like I forget to take care of myself, which then sort of leaks into other things. Um, so, ironically, <laughs> I did say yes to this, obviously, <laughs> but I think that's because there's so much I had to learn from it, you know. Um, and I think I have been from the guests we've had every week, we've sort of been asking how they say no in, in their lives, how they implement that sort of attitude, how they find a balance. And so I've been taking that on and um, trying to be as receptive to it as possible. But also, you know, I think there is a place for challenging ourselves in life and doing things that make us uncomfortable. And I think this has definitely been a challenge, having these live conversations with these pressures. And so I guess I've been learning from it in that way as well. Um, so, yeah, that's why I ironically said yes to no theory. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a very insightful um, answer. Thank you, Lydia. So, um, and again, you've already kind of answered this, but what has your experience with no theory been like? Well, um, definitely that it's important to have your microphone on when you're on a live <laughs> radio show. <laughs> but more, more seriously, uh, I don't know, I guess writing these questions up, um, just having these organic conversations, I think because, you know, obviously we're both studying journalism and there are some parts of it that you initially think are really easy, um, but they're not. Knowing how to find a balance between asking the right questions, trying to dig a little bit deeper, um, getting a unique perspective and not forcing narratives onto people, you know, because I think we, we come in with these questions expecting certain answers because we have our own beliefs, but it's really important to sort of dig past that surface level, you know, the tip of the iceberg and try and get someone's unique experience out of that. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably been one of the, the learning things to stay open-minded and really take on board what everyone is contributing. So, yeah. And, going off from that have what have you learned from being on yes theory or from the guests of yes theory um 
sort of what I was saying before, probably about uh, times in life where it's important to say no, finding that balance, which is something that we can all be constantly um, working on. I think sometimes too, even some of the things I've said in conversations, I'm like, oh, I've never really reflected on that before. Like being trapped inside, trapped, wow, that's a very aggressive term. But (laughs) (laughs) being being in in lockdown at the moment, I think I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed with social media. But in some ways, it's also been very empowering. And even some of the accounts we've been following um, on Instagram as we've been sort of like building our social media empire. (laughs) But but, um, yeah, just trying to fill it with so much more positive energy and these different messages about, you know, it's okay to let things go. It's okay to sometimes cut out toxic people, which I've really struggled with in the past. It's all right to say no. It's okay to prioritize. It's okay to um, feel like you're not being productive. I think that's a lot of the messages that are coming through really strongly on social media these days, which is being mirrored through our radio show and a lot of what the guests are bringing in. So in terms of what I'm learning, I think a little bit of self-care, maybe even a little bit of self-help, um, <laughs> definitely. And I think, yeah, it's it's weird how it's all sort of lining up, the, the messages our guests are bringing, but also things that I'm being exposed to a lot throughout my everyday life, probably just as a consequence of um, being in lockdown. So, yeah. Thanks, Lydia. So why did you want to study music and journalism? Well, um, very different reasons, actually. So music probably was more just a part of something I did growing up a lot. I started singing lessons when I was about 10. I did dancing when I was younger. Um, and I think that the arts and performance were just always in my life. So I, I always thought that I would take that direction. Um, as I got older, though, I started being exposed to more things, interpreting interpreting the world in a, a slightly different way, I guess. And I started realizing, you know, how privileged I was to have so many options open to me. And that's when I started to think about law, obviously, because um, I thought it was going to be sort of like a systematic way of helping people, um, you know, having an input when it comes to policy, of lawmaking, of upholding the law, of trying to provide access to people, Um and legal help, what am I saying, access to people, (laughs) trying to provide people with access to legal assistance in situations where it might be really expensive or difficult to get. Um, Obviously, I mentioned before that that wasn't really compatible with me. I found it a little bit just dry. It didn't work with my brain, I guess. But I think that underlying passion for wanting to, I guess, object to the status quo and trying give back to the community as cliche as that sounds probably is what then drew me to journalism because I've always really loved writing and storytelling and something I think I was noticing with Laura a little bit as well is that yes you can pass legislation you can you can have these precedents but at the end of the day has there really been a massive change or shift if people's hearts and minds aren't in it you know when that bill passes, if there are still thousands or millions of people out there who disagree with it, have we really felt that cultural shift that we need to, I guess, change the world in a sense? It's kind of like, you know, how women have suffrage these days, but that doesn't mean that inequality is has been solved. It doesn't mean we don't need feminism. There's still this massive cultural um, disparity, I guess, that we're working to change. And I think that storytelling is a massive part of that, which is what drew me to journalism and literature as well, I guess. Um, yeah, just trying to speak to people more organically and understand one another a little bit more. I think that's probably one of the best ways moving forward. So um, yeah, that's what, what drew me to journalism. What a fascinating answer. Thanks, Lydia. So um, I feel like you've already answered this. You're answering all my questions, Lydia, before I'm even (laughs) asking them. But how can one object to the status quo through music and journalism? Well, with music, well, with both of them really, and I'm probably going to divert a little bit into literature and poetry specifically as well. But I think that the arts are something that are so at the core of what we do. It's so connected with our feelings and our emotions, which is why it's quite sad at the moment that I feel like the arts are sort of being um, massacred Mm. a little bit amid lockdown and so many of the different policies. Anyways, I won't get into that right now. (laughs) But I do think that the arts are at the core of what we do, what we feel, what we believe in. And so tapping into that, 
um, can be hugely influential when it comes to objecting to the status quo with lyrics. You know, um, some of these songs that our even our guests have been selecting, you put them on and it has, it can be like a real mood changer instantly. Um, there have been so many examples of lyrics throughout history that talk about different political events, um, different movements. We were talking to Leah last episode about Helen Reddy and um, her song, I Am Woman, how that became the sort of unofficial anthem of the the ERA and the 60s and 70s feminist movement. So I think, um, yeah, it just connects with people's emotions. It makes them want to get involved. It makes them feel something. And as I was sort of mentioning before, the way we feel and think about things, that's ultimately when, when they start to change. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's what it is. I'm going to try and sum up a little bit there, but through lyrics in music, with journalism, again, it's stories. It's not sort of alienating people and it's not just words on a page. It's people's lived experiences that we can sort of connect to. Um, and then with literature as well. Like there have been so many times when I've read a book and I mean, it is just literally words on a page, but I'll start crying or I'll start mm -hmm. rethinking the way I'm living my life or I'll... I'll go out into the world and I don't know, you just, it shifts your focus in the way you interpret things. So I think that's the power of it. You know, we can connect with those emotions and um, we can get these different stories out there and change people's perspectives, I guess. So, yeah. Mm. So what or who inspired you to study these um, subjects? Um, oh my gosh. I'm not sure there's really anyone in particular um, probably when I think about some of the things I've been looking at more recently, probably with poetry, um, I've really been enjoying Warson Shire. I don't know if you've heard of her before, but yeah, she's a, so she's a writer and, um, oh my gosh, I really don't want to get this wrong, but I feel like I'm about to. She's a Somalian British poet and she talks a lot about the, um, I guess, the African experience, about immigration, about seeking refuge, um, all of these things that are sort of overlooked in the mainstream media. And again, she does it with, with such sort of evocative poetry in a way that you probably wouldn't get it the same level of emotion or connection if you had it in any other form maybe as a song again um, or as some different type of journalism but I think again it's sort of tapping into the arts and that that powerful um, influence they can have on emotion so yeah I'm just I've read some of her poems and I showed them to my mum and she said the same thing about wow just how evocative they are and how sort of like raw and gritty um, as well you really sort of feel what what she's gone through and um, yeah a lot of poets also Jericho Brown I've been reading recently um, his Pulitzer winning collection The Tradition which feels very relevant at the moment it talks a lot about the black experience experience in america about racial disparity police brutality institution of the family all these different sorts of things so um so yeah i think i've been trying to branch out and read about people's experiences who are very different to my own to again broaden that perspective um understand these emotions that maybe i haven't experienced myself because i think that when it comes to objecting to the status quo and having a real change it does come from stepping outside of ourselves and realizing mm. just because i haven't experienced it or felt it myself doesn't mean it's not happening doesn't mean it's not valid um so yeah again probably not people who have influenced me getting into these things but who's influencing me at the moment on this um sort of fair enough <laughs> yeah, what i'm what I'm trying to do and how I'm trying to grow as someone who's very interested in the arts and storytelling. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it does for sure. Excellent. Well, we might take a little bit of a, a break then um, with a song. So we'll start with Feeling Good by Nina Simone. This is one of my picks. Um, again, I thought it was quite relevant. Nina, beautiful gospel soul voice, but also she was a civil rights activist. So, um, yes, very relevant to the, the Black Lives Matter movement at the moment. And also just a really good pick-me-up song. So thanks, Simone. Um, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, Lydia. Merge. 
Flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. Fly out in the sun, you know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean? Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. shine, you know how I feel, scent of the pine, you know how I feel, oh, freedom is mine, and I know how I feel, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new Welcome everyone back to Radio Monash's No Theory. That was Feeling Good by Nina Simone. So Lydia, um, what issues are you passionate about? Alrighty, so um, top ones I'd say probably veganism, which can be a little bit controversial and is definitely objecting to the status quo, seeming as still only around 1% of the population, the Australian population anyway, I think it is, um, consider themselves vegans. Um, Other than that, refugee rights, um, the climate, uh, women's rights, feminism, I'd say they're they're probably my top ones. Um, So why are you passionate about them? I guess, well, I'll start with veganism. Um, The three main reasons that a lot of people go to as to why they support this movement and this way of life um, is the animals, of course, the environment and health. So I guess with the environment, it's so overlooked. I guess with climate extinction, extinction rebellion, a lot of the things that are going on at the moment, it's still being overlooked, even though it has such an impact. Um, I was looking at some statistics, and so many statistics are coming out at the moment, especially as part of, I think it's the um, the United Nations Environment Program and even like the Paris Agreement are urging people to like start taking a vegan diet more seriously. Like it, it has an impact on air, um, the carbon emissions, methane. There's been some research on how methane has, I think it's something like 23 times more of an ability to raise temperatures than other types of emissions, which I thought was really interesting. It even like rivals um, the transportation industry, which I think a lot of people really wouldn't expect that. Um, 
what else? Oh my gosh, it's, I mean, the, the land clearing that it results in, even that the Amazon fires that we saw back in 2019, which, you know, it was a massive thing on social media. So many people were gutted by it. But again, there wasn't this focus on the fact that it was land clearing for, for agriculture and ranching. Um, plastics in the oceans, I could go on and on and on. I guess it's just, <laughs> I feel like it's just so overlooked when it comes to the environment and people feel helpless, you know, about like there's, there's so much sort of, um, I guess, I don't want to say sensationalism. It's very important that we're, we're changing um we're changing the way we're doing things, but we do feel helpless a lot and we want to push it onto some of these huge corporations and governments and whatnot. But there are some things we can do in our everyday lives. And I think that a vegan diet is definitely one of those to feel less helpless and like we can do something to help the environment. Um, also better for the health. And again, just the animals like we're always looking for ways to improve, to do better. We're, I think the human race are very sort of, we can be so introspective and reflective. And, uh, you know, we see with the Black Lives Movement, we've seen with feminism, um, we've seen with just overall philanthropy and activism. We want to do better. We want to make change. We want to review ourselves and think about how we can move forward. But again, this, I think this is one of the things that we don't really talk about um, enough is that yeah what we're doing to animals and and whatnot so um yeah that's one of my main my biggest um concerns and topics i could go on and on about but we're we're a bit strapped for time so i won't do that um did you have any other questions simone that yes. we wanted to sum up with or shall we move on to you what are you thinking well just one last question and you've already again sort of answered it sort of addressed mm -hmm. it um so what can the everyday person do to, um, I guess, make a difference in some of the issues that you're passionate about? Mm -hmm. um, one of the main things that is really circulating at the moment at the moment would be educating yourself. I definitely support that. There are so many statistics online, different resources. Of course, we need to be very wary about fake news in this day and age, especially with people like Donald Trump sort of fueling that. Um, but... Uh, again, with the vegan diet, educate yourself, have a look at what you can do. It's actually super simple. I think that there's a lot of stigma around um, vegans being vigilantes and shaming. Like they can be quite, that's what, that's not the right word. Um, well, yeah, I guess how they shame people and guilt. Um, but I think that we do need to be having some more sort of like just, yeah, cautious and supportive conversations to sort of guide people towards it. Um and veganism actually can be a lot cheaper. I've heard a lot of people saying these days that, you know, it's very privileged and it definitely can be more expensive. Don't get me wrong with a lot of the mock meats and um, like substitutes that are coming out, definitely more expensive. But you strip it down to your plant-based diet, which is also a lot healthier. So things like grains, leg legumes, fruit and veg, and it's actually a lot cheaper. Um so, yeah, I think that's something that we can do in our everyday lives. Again, just practicing in whatever we do, trying to be as understanding and as open as we possibly can. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's what I have to contribute there. Well, thanks, Livia, in general for all of those questions. Very interesting. And I even I got to get to know you more. So, oh, yeah, thanks. Fantastic. <laughs> well, um, I think it's time then we move on to you, Simone. Oh, no. So, <laughs> no, oh, yes. <laughs> so I do have some questions prepared here for you. Um, you are what I'd like to call the brains of this establishment. You came up with the idea for No Theory or the one who brought it to me. So can you tell me what inspired this, your idea for this podcast slash radio show, etc.? Well, we've talked about it previously and I think mostly in our first episode with Vic Fells, um, who was a Yes Theory um, fan. Um, yeah, so the YouTube uh, channel called Yes Theory um, really inspired me because I've been a fan of it uh, from its very early days um, and because I, you know, love travelling and I like getting out of my comfort zone and so they really preached that. They, you know, their saying is seek discomfort. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I guess as I kind of matured a bit and grew up a bit, and I continued to watch it, I kind of saw, like, the flaws in their mantra, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I think maybe like the catalyst for it was watching one of their videos where they would go into um, foreign cities, for example, Paris, where they didn't speak the language um, Mm -hmm. and um, they didn't have any money or any, or any like forms of communication like phones. And so, yeah, they would just go into that city just with nothing and just rely completely on the kindness of strangers. And it just kind of didn't sit right with me because all of the all of the main group, well, it's kind of expanded just recently, but the main group are these three guys. Um, and it, watching these men do this just and kind of implying that, like, anyone can do this didn't really sit right with me because as a woman I can't do that and, like, I mean, I could, but I don't think that would be very safe. No, I know what you mean. It's very sort of a little bit exclusive and, yeah, yeah, not completely inclusive. And I think it's it's weird. Like, we need to find this this balance between – I don't know. It's almost like being too positive or or not too negative, that realistic – point in the middle you know about what we can and can't do in this world we want to branch out experience things but you know there does come a point where there are limitations very real ones that we need to be respectful of or I don't know about respectful of but aware of of. yes that's a better word and as you were saying too like it's not like we need to be having these nuanced conversations um and (laughs) ironically although our show is called no theory which seems pretty like black and white i don't Mm -hmm. think that was our or my like goal for the show like Mm -hmm. i wanted to explore like the nuance and complexities of saying yes and saying no um because there's a time and a place for both um definitely yeah and just yeah yes theory just really didn't explore that complexity um Mm -hmm. And yep. that, like, intersectionality of women or people of colour or um, uh, LGBT people or people with disabilities because, like, now that I'm saying that, now that I'm saying this, like, I'm just realising, you know, n- not only as a woman could I not do this but, like, um, I know people who are in the LGBT community probably couldn't do that in Russia or, like, mm-hmm. Poland where there are literally places where, you know, the Polish president's... Um, really inciting a lot of hate crimes at the moment in Poland Um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, people who have disabilities who rely on their carers, you know, they can't just go out solo without, Mm -hmm. you know, a phone or money. Um, So there's lots of, there's complexities in life and I think just saying yes without any regard for those complexities is I think a bit naive and foolish and, yeah, yeah, maybe those boys are yeah I don't think those the guys that do no theory are completely uh you know out there to offend people they're I from my you know limited viewing of them because I you know I don't know them but (laughs) (laughs) but Uh from my limited viewing of them they seem like pretty nice people um and pretty kind people but I just think because because of who they are and because of their privileges, they just don't realise um, the complexities that I've, you know, mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, we have been trying to tackle that. Obviously, no theory as a title is a little bit catchier <laughs> than, like, nuanced, complex conversations about when to say theory. yes and no theory. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I think that that is something that is really um, – again relevant at the moment and I didn't mention this before but now you've brought it up that's something that I've learned from the show and something that I think I'm learning this year life is not black and white it's not mm. yes and no there's so much middle ground that comes into it yeah it's it's complex we need to think about things in a very um yeah all-inclusive yeah, sort yeah. of exactly um anyways sorry I'm hijacking I'm just so, so chattering <laughs> today <mind. laughs> um but I want to ask you a little bit about um, why you got into journalism, why you wanted to pursue this. Um, so, yeah, what, what got you interested in journalism? Are there any particular areas you're interested in? Oh, well, that's, there's so many answers to that question, Lydia. Um, well, personally, I thought 
well, I think I'd be a good journalist because I can write well, um, not wanting to brag. (laughs) You go, girl. (laughs) Say it how it is. (laughs) Um, And I love to travel. So, you know, answering your question about, you know, which kind of areas I'm interested in, maybe, you know, and I'm still not 100% set on one particular area of journalism. I'm, you know, I'm only 20. I've got my whole life ahead of me. I can choose. <laughs> I can yep. change my mind mm-hmm. a billion times if I want to. Um, exactly. Pros <laughs> of the gig economy and the, <laughs> the, the way things are moving forward. <laughs> yep. So um, what was I saying? Like, I, I, yeah, me, my love of travel, um, maybe inspired me, I guess, to maybe be a journalist in like um, foreign affairs or a travel journalist, even, which would, which would be, that would be the dream. Of it, on, like honestly, like to travel all around the world and just like talk about all the places I've been to. Mm-hmm. Are there oh, some that. like particular countries or locations you'd really love to yeah. go to and you know write about? Well, this is sounds. This is going to be a bit. I guess random, but um, last semester, I in one of my units, I looked at Iran, and and it's really it's just seemed very fascinating to me. Uh, it's not exactly a country where I could freely go and be a journalist at the moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, they have yeah their their government is you know fascinating to me uh, and. Um, their culture is also pretty interesting, not really something that we're exposed to a lot, like, you know, mm. European yep. Western mm. countries, so that would mm. be interesting. Yeah, I think there's something very special about culture shock. I don't know if I'm romanticising it a little bit, probably am, <laughs> but I think, yeah, once you get over that initial um, step, there's so much to learn, so, mm. yeah, I can definitely see your interest there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, that's kind of another reason why I wanted to be a journalist, to, like, experience and learn you know new things um yeah and as going off of that like I think another reason why I want to be a journalist is because I'm quite a curious person and I want to learn about everything and um everyone and like everyone has a story every place has a story so yeah that's another reason why I want to be a journalist Mm -hmm. fantastic and what have been some of your favorite stories to cover so far Oh, that's a tricky question. Um, well, at the moment, um, I'm working on an interesting story about um, with Mojo News. Not sure if I should be able to, if I'm able to say this, but what the heck? Um, <laughs> <laughs> about um, graduates um, that graduated in the <clears throat> the previous recession in Australia, um, mm-hmm. and comparing that to the recession now. Sorry, <clears throat> and <laughs> and that seems that's been really interesting to um, see how those graduates um, are now and where they are now, um, and it kind of gives me a bit of hope for my own future. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as a uni student, you know, studying in a recession. Um, yeah, there've been a lot of my the stories that I've done this year are definitely revolve around COVID nineteen. Um, I did one of my first stories I did this year was about um, a couple who was was getting married under the COVID nineteen restrictions of only five people, and I interviewed two um, two wedding planners, and that was really interesting um, to see that like I guess you know their love could survive anything which was kind of sweet yeah Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's lovely I think all of these little silver linings and these powerful stories about people coping and whatnot I think they're getting us through so um yeah well I for one I've been really enjoying the content you've been putting out so (laughs) well done um we might take a bit of a short break with another song so this is Can't Hold Me by Emily King But we'll be right back with more questions for Simone. In the night, in the middle of the day. 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Can't Hold Me by Emily King. Um, Lydia, sorry, you're on mute again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. After just mentioning it <laughs> about 20 minutes ago. Oh, I've still got a lot to learn. What can I say? Um, anyways, I was just mentioning when I was talking to myself, basically, I hadn't heard that song before. So thank you for that recommendation. You're welcome. So it's, I love it. I love it so much. Anyway. <laughs> um, but I've been dying to ask you. You're also a very talented artist and graphic designer. I'd like to know a little bit about how you got into that. Well, thank you for saying that, Lydia. Um, <laughs> well, similar to what you were saying about music is just like I've and, – and dance too. Like I've always just been um, interested in drawing um, and art um, from – yeah, for as long as I can remember. I've always um, loved to draw. My um, parents thankfully like supported that um, and I went to like drawing classes um, – with with you know like two different two different people and one one of them really encouraged like to be creative and then she had to quit and so I went <laughs> I went to this like art studio with all of these older women like people who had like retired and I just like sat in the yeah. corner and just drew <laughs> which was I actually really liked it. it was very calming um and yeah I think that's why I also love art because it's also just such a calming um, I guess, meditative practice. Um, yeah, so that was back when I was a kid. Um, then in high school I did um, visual communication and design and I also did studio arts. Um, so that helped me, I guess, develop my more technical skills, especially with, like, Photoshop. Um, and then I had a bit of a break last year, um, and then with Mojo News, I um, was writing a story and I offered if I offered to just do the graphic for the story too because I have like a digital drawing pad at home um, that I got for like my 18th birthday. <laughs> and um, yeah, I love, I love it so much. It's right. I can see it right here. It's on my desk. It's always with me. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> and um Yes, yeah, so I offered to do a, one of the graphics for one of the stories that I had written and um, I guess the editor of Mojo News saw it and said, that's, you know, not bad. Do you want to go on the graphic team for Mojo News? And I'm like, heck yes. Um, so that's how I've just recently, you know, come back to art and graphic design. Um, yeah, so I'm one of the multimedia producers at Mojo News Um and it's, I think it's also encouraged me again to like get back into art. So, yeah, that's my journey, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. Because, yeah, I've been so drawn to your art. I mean, I think one of the first things I saw was when the bushfires um, were really bad at the beginning of this year. And you did that koala. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm, and you were sort of putting it on different, I can't remember exactly, was it mugs or yeah, yeah, to get I, it printed on different yeah, things to fundraise? I uploaded it to Redbubble, so like, which is a site that um, allows you to like put your artwork or like designs on practically anything. Like they've even updated it so you can do masks now. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh wow, yeah, <laughs> of course. yeah. Masks are so relevant now. Like, it's, yeah. In hindsight, looking New back, fashion, yeah, <laughs> accessory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, and even our No Theory logo, of course, which you designed, and um, yeah. I personally love it. Oh, so um, keep up the nice work. Um, and why do you think art and imagery is so powerful when it comes to protest and objecting to the status quo? Well, again, similar to your, you know, what you said about music and it being like a really evocative of like particular emotions. I think that, well, there are two kind of reasons. I think, I think art is very evocative and, um, of particular emotions and um, although it may not be as common as making you um, as making someone cry um, with a book or a poem it can still make you know it can still make you cry it can make you laugh um, mm -hmm. it yeah it has a lot of has a great emotional impact on viewers also I think 
art is so universal. Like definitely, yeah. Although there can be um, writing in, you know, graphic designs and stuff, there ne- most of the time there doesn't have to be. Um, and you can really understand a message without understanding the language or the culture. Um, like when um, when I was first looking at your questions, I was I thought about how in India. Um, which is a huge country geographically and like culturally they um when and it's also the largest democracy in the world when they hold their elections because there are so many different languages in India um that they speak they actually also have just their logos of like the parties so people Mm -hmm. can vote with the logos so you know it's very versatile art and yeah, universal, as I was saying before. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's so accessible, just building exactly. on what you were saying, like linguistics-wise. Because, I mean, I feel like there's a little bit of contention sometimes between what's more powerful, words or images. And people tend to gravitate towards one or the other. But, um, yeah, when you're putting them together, like you do in a lot mm. of um, – like is very popular with a lot of um, graphic design and even graffiti and whatnot. I don't know. I feel like – the synergy between them is what can make them particularly powerful as well. Exactly, exactly. Fantastic. Well, um, before we start rounding up, I just wanted to ask, what are some of the things that you're passionate about then? I've spoken about veganism, refugee rights and such. What's, um, what do you gravitate towards? Well, um, one of, I think, the most pressing, pressing issues of our generation um, and I guess the world at large today is um, climate change. Um, And I think it's all something, it's something we all should be concerned about um, Mm -hmm. both on the individual level and on the more collective governmental level. Um, And although I don't want to have to, I don't want to disagree with you on, you know, live Lydia, but like, although there are a lot of, individual things that we can do I think the most important I think the most impactful way that we can address climate change is through um government policies and legislation um and unfortunately in Australia we're not doing (laughs) (laughs) I definitely agree with that as well Simone yeah I think it's it's all needed you know governments need to change policy and their way of thinking and yeah with the the government that's in at the moment. I know last week Anastasia Palaget was introducing the new coal mines they're opening in Queensland. So yeah, I I definitely um I definitely agree with you there. But I'm still probably going to send you some vegan recipes after after today. (laughs) um, But yeah, really good point. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, is there anything else? Any other issues you're feeling really passionate about? Um, or did you want to elaborate more on the climate one? Well, you know, very topical at the moment is the Black Lives Matter movement, um, which I don't really feel like I have a very um, – I'm not exactly the most qualified person to talk to that about. But um, I think as a white person what I can do and what other white people can do is just educate themselves. And also, you know, if they – are capable of doing so um also donate to um to different organizations um and because we know because we're living in australia also donate and educate yourselves on um aboriginal and torres strait islander people's um history and culture and issues that they're facing because it's not just an american issue it's also an australian issue you know you know australia's I guess, built on (laughs) racism, unfortunately. So, Yeah, there's such a a huge – I feel like a lot of our national or maybe just the the identity we project internationally, if anything, is, you know, diversity, multiculturalism. And sadly, I personally feel like there's a a huge divide and it can be a little bit of a facade sometimes when you take a a closer look. But, um, But, yeah, so, no, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, All right. So, unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Simone, for those wonderful um, and insightful responses. And thank you, Lydia. I really enjoyed learning more about you and, yeah, listening to your story. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So, um, 
we'll wrap up there today thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in we will be back next week 1 p.m remember radiomonash.org um, but to finish off today's episode we have dog days are over by florence and the machine thanks so much everyone have a great week and take care She hit around corners and she hit on